Welcome to the weekly Mission Red Bank podcast, helping the body of Christ build itself up together in love. So far, um, this epiphany season, we've been in the book of Isaiah, uh, specifically in chapter 60, attending to God's call to his people to arise and shine and let his light shine upon them, that his light has come. Uh, and it's, a, it's an interesting call because of when it happens. We've recalled often Judah's context when the Lord said this. They were returning from decades of exile under pagan foreign rulers after Jerusalem had been destroyed by Babylon. And we've noted how the Lord is speaking encouragement to them through Isaiah, asking them to look to rediscover, imagine and rediscover that who they are is because of whose they are, that they belong to him, his people. So he's calling them back from exile to rebuild his temple and to become the light to the nations that he created and called them to be from the very beginning. This morning, we come to the end of Isaiah 60. And I hope by the Holy Spirit's grace and power, we will again, as we enter into the narrative, be able to understand what God's saying to them, why that matters for them, and why it matters for us, how to receive it and apply it some 2,500 years later. Let's pray and ask God's help in that. Father, humbly and boldly we ask that the words of my mouth and the thoughts and the meditations of each one of our hearts, that by your Holy Spirit, you will make them pleasing to you. King Jesus, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I'm going to read back through the Old Testament reading that we had this morning. Listen to these words again. Arise, shine, For your light has come, and the glory of Yahweh has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but Yahweh will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. The sun, skipping down to verse 19, will no longer be your light by day. And for the bright and for brightness the moon will not give light for you. Rather, Yahweh will be for you an enduring, lasting, eternal light. And your God will be for your glory, your beautification. Your sun will no longer set And your moon will not withdraw itself, for Yahweh will be your enduring, lasting, eternal light. And so will be completed the days of your mourning. And your people, all of them righteous, will inherit the land for a good long time. Your people, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands for the purpose of beautifying myself through you. The smallest will become a clan, and the most insignificant will become a mighty nation. I am Yahweh, 
In its time, I will hasten it. In her time, I shall enjoy her. Isn't that beautiful? You know, for the first two weeks of our celebration of Epiphany, we started the day before Epiphany that evening. And we, we, we looked at the context thinking about who got taken and who got left and why. And last week I talked about it with a little bit, um, a little bit more detail. And when, a, when, a, when a ruler would come and take over a kingdom like what happened between Babylon and Judah, what that conquering kingdom would often do is take away into exile the best and the brightest from the other kingdom. And so let's look at three classifications, if you will, of people according to what happened in the exile. There were the best and the brightest who got taken away to be used by Babylon for their own purposes, and now God was calling them home. And they wanted to go home, but they were beaten down from living for seven decades under the oppression of pagan foreign rulers, of being stripped away from their land, and they're being called back. So they're thinking about those who were old enough to remember the exile as children in the first place, and then others who had been born in exile and told the stories of what had happened. They're hurting. They're desperately hurting as they come back. Then there are others who were of the best and brightest. They got taken away, and they made new lives, and many were born in exile, and they don't want to go back. They don't want to enter back into that pain and that struggle and that memory. They want to stay off in a pagan land living underneath foreign rulers and reject, resist, deny the Lord calling them back home. And we can relate to both of these, I think. But then there were the third group, there was a third group that endured a different kind of exile. They weren't the best and brightest. Maybe they were wounded in all the battle. Maybe they were old and dying. Who knows what? But they weren't the strongest. They weren't the best and brightest. And after Babylon raised Jerusalem to the ground, they were left there to live or die in the rubble. So the exile that they endured is they lost the temple, which was a massive symbol of their identity. And then they lost their brothers and sisters who were strong and leading and helping, and they were gone. And they were left. And so a new identity began to shape how they thought. They were lesser thans. All three of these kinds of folks were enduring what was going on, and God was calling them back together after they had been judged and objectified in the eyes of the world. Those who had been judged as objects of worth had been taken away. Those who had been judged not worthy were objectified as unworthy and left behind. They were treated like objects, not people. Can you relate to that? Can you think of some time in your life when you've been treated like an object, either at work, with one other person, with many people. God says to his objectified, beaten down, 
scared to return, scared to hope, afraid of imagination. He says to these people, rise up. Your time of redemption has come. I've stayed with you. I've loved you even as you've lived out this exile that you brought upon yourselves. I've stayed. I've never left. I'm keeping my promises and you belong to me. I'm bringing you out of the darkness now, back into my light so that you might again become, move in the direction of becoming who I've created and called you to be from the beginning. Refocus your trust. Don't depend on and simply walk in the familiar, the norms you've now come to know, the daily rhythms you've cultivated. Now let Me, myself, become all of that for you. I will guide you. Rise up and walk by my light. Rise up and walk in my rhythms. In my light, in my rhythms of life, the way I think, the way I judge, the way I work, the way I love In this place lies life and light and hope for which you were created. Do this and we will become a beautiful light to the nations together. Enjoying and delighting in one another together. This is what God says to a broken people. A broken, beaten down, scared to return, scared to dare to hope people. God says, I got you. I got you. And I believe this is what he's saying to us, explicitly us today. I want you to consider these questions. Who's hurt you? Or what's hurt you? Who's scarred you? Or what's scarred you? Spin that. Who have you hurt? Who have you scarred? What scares you so much you're afraid to hope, to risk, to try again? When you think about that, what sins come to mind right now that are probably accompanied by belittling whispers of shame? Please hear this. Yahweh, God Almighty, has come in the person of His Son, Jesus and lived a human life. He understands the human experience, not at a distance, but up close and personal. And he has maintained part of that identity. Please remember this with me. The person who sits at the right hand of the Father on the throne of heaven is not a ghost. 
He is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who ate, bled, walked. One of us has made it back into the Godhead in Christ. And as he is in him, we shall also be. Jesus, God's light to the world, came to faithfully do everything, complete everything that God is calling his people to do in Isaiah 60. He never dropped the ball. He never failed at it. The author of Hebrews says, he is like us in every way except one, sin. He didn't do that, which before we get like, well, he didn't really understand all the ways. Time out. He never sinned. That means the pressure was never off. He was tempted. It didn't go away, and he didn't give in, and he held the line. So let's be careful before we think the fact that he didn't sin meant it was easy. It means he never gave in. He never failed at what God is calling his people to do. And this is why he's our perfect sacrifice, redeeming and reconciling us to God the Father. Because we still fail, don't we? Because we still fail, don't we? We we need to recognize that. That's healthy. That's a kindness that leads to repentance to recognize that. Here's good news. God has us. You see, when we place our faith and trust in Jesus, we are blessed with the presence and power of his spirit to guide us, to help us walk in his light, not the light of our experience, not that light, not the light that our culture scripts and objectifies us with. We're called and empowered to walk in the rhythms of His Spirit, not the rhythms of the world around us. Some people struggle with this because they might think, does this make us too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. You remember that old saying? Please, can we just fix that real quick? This makes us earthly good. I am not wiser than God or the scripture. I am not powerful like the Holy Spirit. And me giving myself over to his light, his life, his rhythm makes me, not by myself, but in his people, something the gates of hell cannot withstand. That's God's Bible. God's calling us out of living like objects in a culture that doesn't remember very well what it means to be human. 
to again behave like image bearers of the creator. In Jesus, we receive God's light and we become God's light, living together in the rhythms and move of his spirit, loving and being loved in ways that obliterate darkness, that stop us from behaving and treating one another, thinking of ourselves, thinking of others like objects. Herein lies our freedom. Herein lies our healing. Herein lies hope and purpose. Herein, we together, God's church, Christ's body, become beacons of freedom, hope, and healing, and purpose for humanity. And the world is dying for the church to become the bride of Christ in the way she lives her life. Our life in Christ says this to the world. Let those who delight in Jesus, our righteousness, shout for joy and be glad and say evermore, great is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his servant. Some of us in this room and in rooms all over this city and the world are dying inside, afraid to dare to trust the Lord's goodness enough to receive these words and dare to hope in them again. The Lord is here in the person of his spirit, mighty and gentle, both together. That's who he is. And he's calling you personally and he's calling us corporately together to dare to hope again. He's awakening our hearts and minds. He's rekindling our imaginations. So let's humble ourselves and dare in the name of Christ to be courageous together. Stand up. Let's stand up. We're going to say this together for no reason except that it's the word of God and it's meant to rekindle our imagination and awaken our hearts, not just personally, but corporately together. Say it with me. Let those who delight in Jesus, our righteousness, shout for joy and be glad and say evermore, great is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his servant. Let's say that part one more time. Let those who delight in Jesus, our righteousness, shout for joy and be glad and say evermore, great is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his servant. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. That is the sound of light conquering darkness. That is the sound of truth. That is given to you at the expense of the blood of the Son of God on the cross, of the blood of the martyrs throughout history who have persevered and died that we might have God's word. That is yours and you are his. Followers of Jesus, let your life sing his praise together. Arise, shine. Your light really has come. And the glory of God himself is upon you. You've been listening to the Mission Red Bank Podcast. Thanks for joining us. 
If you'd like to know more about Mission Red Bank or have questions about what you've heard today, you'll find us on Facebook. Grace and peace to you, and may God's blessings surround you.